Greetings, super friends. Welcome to Superman and Lois and Pals. I'm Henry Bernstein, and alongside me is my favorite super pal, Professor Sam Brody. Hello, Sam. Hey, Henry. Hi. I want to jump right into Superman's 85th birthday. I Last week was on April 18th, is officially recognized as when Action Comics number one came out. It was, of course, had the cover date of June, because that's how comics are. But it's officially April 18th was when it came out. And, you know, I remember both Superman's 75th and 80th being a big deal in terms of stuff happening in terms of like the comics and things like that. But his 85th, I was both surprised at how much it was being talked about everywhere and also like how little was done, starting with if you're going to do a skip week and we talked about how we like, we don't understand how TV works, but like if you're going to do a skip week, it seems like a missed opportunity to do Superman, a Superman episode on Superman's birthday. That seems like a good mm-hmm. like promotional thing. If you're Warner brothers, am I wrong? I don't know. Um, it's hard to imagine the commercials that are like informing everyone of that. I don't know. Like on the next Superman and Lois, it's Superman's birthday in comics. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's kind of the tonal. Superman's eighty five, but by eighty five, <laughs> we don't mean Clark Kent is eighty five. Right. The character on this show, we mean Superman, the <laughs> character that exists in the world, but not not relevant to the story that we're telling here. But anyway, <laughs> well, I meant more like you have a new episode and like Superman and Lois is very active on social media in terms of promote it self-promotion as it should be. So like I could imagine DC comics sharing as they do Superman and Lois clips from time to time, like, you know, in celebration of Superman's 85th, here's a new episode of Superman and Lois, you know, it seemed like Warner brothers could have benefited from that, from the DC comics side, but maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it. <laughs> it just seemed like the, of all the weeks to skip, like why not this week? Like the NBA finals are on right now, like or not finals playoffs are on right now, you know, like there's uh, other things happening. So I don't know. Again, I don't know how TV works. So, anyway. yeah. <laughs> but there was a lot of nice chatter across you know, the internet, at least in my feed about Superman's 85th, they did a DC did another best of Superman 85, you know, at 85 kind of stories, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to tell myself I don't need it. <laughs> I have the 75 and the 80. And Well, are they reprinting new things? Or are these things overlapping with each other? I, there's because... overlap. The 75th and the 80th have a lot of overlap. I really don't like that. I mean, yeah, there's so much to pull from. The ones they did in the late 80s, the greatest blank stories ever told, those were really well done. Yeah. Um, And I feel like a lot of the subsequent uh, collections, I don't know, it feels like there needs to be more creativity. I mean, some of them are really obvious, like when they do the decade-based ones, and I think those were good, were pretty good. Um, But when they're doing one that ranges over the whole history to celebrate an anniversary... They just have to pick new stuff. Right. Like, you do, do you need to do Action Comics number one every time? Right. And I don't need to see the first appearance of Supergirl every right. time. And right. I don't need to see, like, just, like, give me some other stuff that I forgot about. <laughs> right. And, and I think in a lot of those things, there's a lot of old stuff, you know, which is fine. But 
the first my first introduction to superman in comics was an anthology thing from the superman from the 30s to the 70s have you ever seen that mm. one so uh, i don't think so but so it's exactly as it described you know there's like mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff from siegel and schuster at the beginning and then some like 40s war stuff and then 50s wackiness you know wayne boring drawn you know and then you know 60s wackiness and then some cool 70s bronze age stuff like kryptonite mm-hmm. nevermore and that's and then it ends mm-hmm. so so that was like my introduction to like superman as like a thing in comics that's how i until i got my first superman comic which was also from the bronze age i'm familiar with that sort of way of telling the history of superman you don't so like all the more so i don't need to see action comics number one again right mm-hmm. like um, and Superman number one again. Also, they did those, um, the Chronicles, right? Which like oh, yeah. actually go to Action Comics number two, and right. number three, and number four. And that, that exists. I can go get that. Right. So stop. Just stop it with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then now they're doing Superman the Golden Age. And so I have a bunch of those omnibuses. But I don't know. I just thought it was an odd thing. Like last week, I was so keyed up to talk to you. And because it was Superman's 85th birthday and there was nothing. So instead, in a little bit, I want to talk about what I did do instead of watching mm. Superman, the the movie. But, you know, I was thinking about just looking back at, you know, my personal history of Superman and my recent history of Superman when we started this podcast. I don't think I've ever asked you why Superman. You, I would not peg you as a Superman if, fan if I met you for the first time. Mm. Like you're a New York City kid who like punk rock, right? What is it about Superman that interests you? What does Superman mean to you? Why do you why do you love Superman? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think Superman is the best in terms of like the purest exemplar of this genre of what should we do with power which i think is a way that you know a question you know when people talk about whether it's relatable or not or whether superhero stories are are stupid or you know power fantasies for children or whatever the thing that i think about and the thing that the best of them do um is that they show how um you know superheroes are characters who have a ridiculous amount of power and they don't have the kind of power that we have, but like what the stories are about is what they decide what to do with the power that they have. And we also as regular people have to decide what to do with the power that we have. And so Superman to me is the illustration of like when writers are writing Superman, they know that what they have to do is constantly try to think about what is the best thing to do with the power that you have. Now, other characters don't have that burden necessarily. I mean, they're supposed to be heroic, and insofar as they're supposed to be heroic, they're supposed to do the right thing. But Batman, for example, often is portrayed as doing things like um, keeping secrets from his family, like, you know, the Robins or Nightwing or uh, Batgirl or whoever, doing things that he thinks are for their benefit, but that they are almost always mad at him about um, 
or he does things selfishly because he just thinks that he knows what's best for everyone. Um, Spider-Man, more fallible, makes a lot of mistakes, does have his heart in the right place, always wants to do the best thing, though. So, like, maybe a a very pure character, kind of closer to Superman in that way, but, like, just not as um, necessarily always as good at doing the right thing, which, like, is an endearing trait that makes Spider-Man a good character. He's probably my favorite Marvel character. Same. Whereas, Whereas Superman is more like, the writer has to try and think of, like, what really actually is the best thing. Right. Um, so to me, that's what makes him interesting is that like there's that challenge there. Uh, and, and when you see a, a writer like Philip Kennedy Johnson doing this recent storyline on Warworld, I think that was a great illustration of mm-hmm. like how the the impulse or the challenge that still comes from this character can. You know, he was in some sense, he was doing a very traditional storyline like, it, you know, every show has the gladiator fight scenario and the hero has to like inspire the gladiators to not be gladiators basically slaves not to be slaves right um so in some sense it's a big cliche um but he really built it up in a way that i thought was was really good and served the character and um so that's that's why i like it because it's uh very archetypical it's very mythological mm-hmm what was it about Superman that first drew you to it? Cause, or like, like what, what was the first time you saw Superman or read a Superman comic and what, cause I'm, I'm sure you didn't have that whole thesis in your head. The first, you know, you're at, upon your first introduction to Superman. So like, what was it about Superman that first interested you or, you know, that made him your guy before you developed that. It's hard to say, like, did I see the Fleischer cartoons when I was a kid? I don't know. The Death of Superman was probably the first comics that I bought. Okay. Um, I remember reading. I don't remember if the Death of Superman itself came out first and then I, like, caught up by buying the back issues. Or if I was actually found out about the storyline and was buying them as they were coming out. But, um... That was like when I hopped on the train. Okay. And uh, I was, what was that, 93? So I was like 10. It was 92, actually. 92. So I was was like nine years old, and that was like the right moment to be. Perfect. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I mean, I think that's a story that a lot of comic readers have is Mm -hmm. certainly of our generation is either, and then, you know, is, I think of our generation is, could be like, yeah, Death of Superman. And then, for people slightly older than us, like, oh, that's when I got back into comics kind of thing. But, you know, Death of Superman as a story was really actually a pretty good, it was a little bit meta. It was a little bit reflective right. Right. in the way that I'm talking about, because they did the, fu- the funeral for a friend in the world without a Superman was very much about like, well, when there's a Superman shaped hole in the world, what is the shape right. Of, the, right. of that hole? What right. is missing? Right. Um, and and even during the Doomsday fight, you know, Dan Jurgens built in that character of that teenager who thinks Superman is lame, right? And then like changes his mind because right. he saves him, right? But like in a way, if you think about it, that was like Kingdom Come before right. Kingdom Come, right? That, in, in like a very small little package, and and that was um, what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way: Superman mm-hmm. versus the Elite, mm-hmm. already there in this just tiny little tiny little package of a few panels um well i i mean jerry ordway and dan jurgens and louise simonson and mike carlin 
Um, and Roger Stern certainly have talked in ad nauseum, especially in the last you know year, this last year with the big anniversary of death of Superman about that and about like, you know, sort of, we, we love Superman. We love writing Superman. This is when he's gone, here's how you're going to feel. It was a very, like you said, meta thing for like the, the comic world too. Mm -hmm. And the the idea of the absence of Superman is going to be far greater than you, you realized. And it was, um, Mm -hmm. so it was like both for the people inside Metropolis and I think, and for comic comics and comic readers. Yeah. Oh, that's a great that's a great jumping on point. While we were gone, I think a week couple weeks before that, maybe in late March, they announced the a new Superman cartoon. Well, mm-hmm. they announced a new Superman cartoon like three years ago called My Adventures with Superman. And uh, they finally released a teaser. It's like 15 seconds long. So we're gonna watch and listen to it right now. What was that? Everybody get back! Oh, no! Are you okay? I am now. Adult Swim. Yeah, when was the last time you saw that word flash across your screen? Also, why this cartoon and that and that brand? It it was very that was very odd to me. What'd you think of Clark's bow tie? Uh it was fine. It was very kind of <laughs> anime looking. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna love this. I'm not an anime. It's a genre I'm just not into and never have been. It's been, I've tried it many times. It's been offered to me many times, not into it. So I don't know. I mean, there's 15 seconds. What, what'd you think? <laughs> Who's me? Who's my? I know. Is it Lois? Is it Jimmy? I think it's going to be Jimmy. I have a feeling it's going to be It would make sense if it was Jimmy. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be from the perspective of Jimmy. I mean, I think an anime style would be very appropriate for Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about the... Jimmy Olsen comics that were just released last year where right, the Jeff they, Lemire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like all Barely in, left. it was like, um, it was like silver age stuff with a modern sensibility. Right. And a cartoon that could work very well in a cartoon form. Totally. Although this didn't immediately suggest to me that that's what they were going for, but like, you know, the, some, something about the, um, the humor of the way that it looked when the characters were running, you know, and they're like yeah. making these very exaggerated movements. So, if they want to go for that, I think it could be it could be good. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, who knows when it's coming out, but at least we got right. a got a teaser. So I think it's been noted on this show a couple times that I my favorite thing with Superman is Superman the movie, right? I think <laughs> that's I believe it has been yeah. mentioned. Yeah. So one thing that Warner Brothers did last week was for Superman's birthday for one night only, they did a screening of uh, at Regal Theaters of superman the movie and (laughs) superman 2 the richard donner cut back to back and you know like so first of all i saw this on my calendar you know a while ago because i have a google alert for superman the movie screening and um so when i saw it i was like great i like put on my calendar got tickets then as it got closer i saw also superman the two the superman 2 the richard donner cut and i'm like wait that can't be right and sure enough, it was at like like the Superman the movie was starting at six thirty, and Superman two was starting. Richard Donner cut was starting at nine thirty. I was like, I think that lines up. <laughs> like there was two separate showings, two separate theaters in like building with two separate uh, screens. Hmm. 
right? Like I had to go across the hall after it was okay. over. But anyway, I knew this was like going to be a crazy thing to do because I go to bed early now, you know, I, I'm like, I'm just going to do it. Like nine 30 would be when I'm normally going to sleep. So, but I also knew like, I, it's my favorite movie in the world. It, I've, I've seen it thousands of times, but I've only seen it in the theater until this point three times since 2018. Cause that was really like sort of the first time they released it big for the, for the 40th. And I went and saw it a couple times. And then I took Judah to see it, my son, uh, about a year ago and they were showing it somewhere. So I have some, a few reflections on Superman, the movie, and I know Sam, it's not your favorite Superman thing, mm-hmm. um, but I would love to share those reflections okay if you if you don't mind go ahead the first thing that really stood out to me is glenn ford pa kent Mm. he's in it very briefly actually and this Mm -hmm. he was a giant of a of a film star you know at end of sort of the end latter part of his career at that point like he was a huge uh he was a huge western star Mm -hmm. so this was like a big get for them after like brando and hackman same thing with phyllis thaxter Mm -hmm. so he's in that scene of course with where super where where baby superman lifts the truck and by the way the whole theater cheered there were only 10 people there it was terrible (laughs) turnout but everyone went nuts oh i want to interrupt myself for one second the so going there was the people that went were were a single like weirdo nerd like me Mm -hmm. a father and son with like a four-year-old Mm-hmm. and a family of a mom and two girls, two daughters, mm-hmm. and maybe like, oh, and two, like two bros, two buddies, like two guys mm-hmm. like, like you and me. And uh, that like really warms my heart, you know, and I, and at one point dad and, and son went out, you know, came back, either went potty or went to go get a snack and came back. And I was like, as they were coming up the aisle, they're sitting around me, I was like, good job, dad. And he's like, <laughs> we'll see how long we make it. I'm like, I took my little guy last year and and then uh, they left like a half hour later, you know. <laughs> so, but it was it was that was great. Okay, so Glenn Ford as Pa Kent, he just brings this sort of gravitas to it, and there's the, I, I never really could put my finger on why, but in his second scene, because he's really only in two scenes, when Superman is when Clark is eighteen, and he. You know, he leans, Clark's trying to showing off a little bit, and Pasa's showing off a bit, boy, you know, and Clark is saying, you know, lamenting, like, is a bird showing off when it flies? Yeah, I know. You can do all these amazing things, and sometimes you think that you will just go bust unless you can tell people about it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, every time I get the football, I can make a touchdown. <laughs> that's for sure. Every time. Yeah. I mean, is it showing off and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing. Is, no. is a bird showing off when it flies? No. No, now you listen to me. When you first came to us, we thought that people would come and take you away because when they found out, you know, the things you could do, and that worried us a lot. Because then a man gets older and he thinks very differently and things get very clear. And there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. I don't know whose reason, whatever the reason is, you know, maybe it's because, um, I don't know, it's, uh, but I do know one thing, it's not to score touchdowns, huh? 
thanks, Dad. <laughs> and so, like, that moment sort of shapes Clark Kent. We get to see in the movie the shaping of Clark Kent by Jonathan. He's only It's only one scene, but you imagine mm-hmm. that, like, this is the type of stuff Jonathan Kent has been saying to him his whole life. Mm-hmm. So, like, the power of that in terms of, like, film to do that in one moment, like, that really affected me. And then his death, as he's running up the driveway with Clark, he stops. He grabs his, his left arm and his hand is like clenched up and he says, Oh no. Until that point, I never realized what Glenn Ford was conveying in his acting. And if you ever go back and look, take a look at this, even just this one scene, I would I would recommend it. He has this. He conveys with his his acting and just in just a look while saying, "Oh no," what he's really saying is, "Not now." I thought I had more time. Like because mm-hmm. he has this desperate look. Like he's like, "Oh no," and like mm-hmm. I, I, and you don't often see that in a in a movie where someone dies that way like they're they're sort of like content with their what's happening but you know sort of the opposite of man of steel where jonathan mm. kent is holding his hand out saying don't come right. save me from a tornado sort of the right. opposite of that. he's saying like i don't want to die i'm not ready to go mm. and then he and and so that just i, I don't know I, I would recommend anyone out there to go take a look at that that scene again it's it was really quite quite touching to me sort of the flip side of that when he's talking to jor-el as still young Clark Kent before he's Christopher Reeve, even though it's Christopher Reeve's voice. Jor-El sort of gives him the whole introduction, the giant head, and gives Clark the opportunity, Kal-El the opportunity to ask his first question. Do you know what Clark, do you remember what Clark asks? What his first question to Jor-El is? No. He says, Oh my. And, you know, God damn it, Richard Donner, if that guy just doesn't get Superman, like, Superman's essentially in this moment meeting God, right? It's sort of like, if anyone, you're meeting God for the first time, what are you going to ask? And Cal Clark has the insight because he's been raised by Jonathan for the first question to be the most important question. Who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And sort of those two scenes back to back to me with Martha of course in the middle just really spoke to me in a way that I hadn't really thought about before cool <laughs> well it's great that you can still get new stuff out of Superman the movie <laughs> I think so yeah I mean you know there's a whole culture of people who are obsessed with just this movie the other thing I wanted to mention because I was thinking of you during it there's something I love that Richard Donner insisted that they film in New York because there's just something about 70s New York on mm. film. Kind mm-hmm. of the same thing with with Francis Ford Coppola and Paramount and Godfather insisting they have to shoot in New York. There's something about 70s New York on film that just makes Metropolis feel so important, so huge, like so major, like you know the, the the pan out of Grand Central Station. Lex Luthor's lair is under Grand Central Station. But just it's I just I love it. I love that they did that. And obviously you couldn't do that if 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 um, if Metropolis was in Kansas. But 
I just, I love that. So I don't know if that's a thing that like you like in movies too, as a New Yorker. You know, I do. Seventies New York. I love on location New York yeah. stuff whenever so it's happening, and I like the cars. I like the outfits. I like the random weird smoke that's wafting yeah. through the street in yeah. random shots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like the pigeons. Yeah. I like the uh, hot dog vendors. Of course, this is one reason why I don't like that ridiculous bit at the beginning of Superman 3. Yeah, the, the silly uh, thing. It's, yeah. just, it's like essentially making a travesty out of all of the things that I do like. Right, right. Um, well, they filmed that one but, in Canada. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what else? Since we're talking about Superman 1, uh, I love the newsroom. Yeah, yeah. The, I love the, the Daily Planet newsroom. It's a yeah. one. It's like so busy and it feels like a really big deal because the office is huge like it it, feel, it like goes to the horizon when they show it like right. it, it's you know and it really you really feel like um well that's a great like, on location thing doing it yeah. at the new york daily news which literally has a globe inside of it um i didn't know that but that's cool yeah, yeah. and yeah and i love that big news you know they did all a lot of that with like mirrors and, and glass mm-hmm. and stuff which is so cool but yeah it looks massive and there's a certain hustle and bustle of them. Like the fact that Lois and Clark and a bunch of other dudes are, are sitting at one desk together. Like, like, you know, in the comics, Clark has a cubicle, Lois has a cubicle, but like they are in it together, working on the banging away these stories. There's something so Mm -hmm. gritty about that. And I also like it. uh, I taught this, by the way, I should have told you this. Um, I taught this in class last week. What? Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I, I showed, we, we had read an article, the class is about Judaism and sexuality, okay? okay? So we read an article by a guy called Harry Broad, called Of Mice and Superman, mm. which is about um, portrayals of Jewish masculinity um, in U.S. popular culture. Um, and, you know, there's like a classic sort of nebbish character famously associated with Woody Allen and blah, blah, blah. Um, but there's also this speculation about what's up with Clark Kent and Superman, right? And um, whether the Clark Kent persona and the Superman persona don't represent to a certain Jewish immigrant mindset the like Jewish man and the sort of ideal Gentile assimilated man, right? In which case, Clark Kent represents the um, immigrant side and Superman represents the like assimilated side. Then the question, if you go with that interpretation, is like what happens when the um, contrast is lessened, right? So I showed them the meeting of Clark Kent and Lois Lane in Superman the movie, and then I showed them the same scene from Superman and Lois. Oh. And I said, is this the same character? And, you know, they all sort of thought right on like right immediately that like in a way it was not the same character because you know christopher reeve is like ostentatiously struggling to open the bottle of soda right and then he you know very publicly does the thing you know where he wants to send the checks home to his mom and like all that stuff and it's very cute and it's very endearing whereas in the current show He's like listening to Lois complain about how Superman is overshadowing the real problems in the city that she wants to cover. And then he's just like, oh, well, how can I help? And there's nothing especially like goofy. Or nothing cute. Lo- 
clumsy, right. right, or about him. Like, he's still enduring, but he's enduring much more as, like, a normal person. Right. Um, and so, you know, we talked about what that might mean about, you know, evolving conceptions of uh, Jew- Jewish masculinity. Um, Do you see, well, one thing you said that, and maybe this is a, bit, a larger discussion for another time, but... You said that Clark rep- represents the immigrant and Superman represents the assimilated. Is there is there a possibility where it's the opposite in that, you know, in terms of the um, the way he's first introduced and in that mm-hmm. Clark is a disguise. So he's disguising that like the, the true humanity and obviously not the power, but sort of the moral power, the moral um superiority comes from the the immigrant who wants to make mm-hmm. a better life for their family much like superman you know so i, I wonder right. i wonder which one which is, i guess is one of the great things about superman which is the real yeah. guy you know so i think it does work as an inversion too um and one of the reasons is if you think about what is journalism journalism is one of the liberal professions right it's one of the things that you have to basically have an education to go into, right? Right. Um, so the first immigrant generation does not go into journalism, right? They're working in sweatshops. Right. No, and Siegel and Schuster admired these people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so in a way, that could be the assimilation side because that represents, you know, success and middle class aspiration, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then Superman is more like raw and yeah. direct and works with his hands right right um so opening up governor's walls mm-hmm. to pardon a guy on right. death row right right yeah <laughs> there's also a really great one that i saw recently that i've forgotten about where um he gets really mad at reckless drivers so he goes to the impound lot and just like busts up all their cars <laughs> so that they'll stop driving recklessly <laughs> really yeah is that in like a really early one like it's a really early one like 39 wow oh wow yeah. wow that's amazing yeah. <laughs> action comics or superman uh that i don't remember huh. interesting the last thing i wanted to to say about in terms of this kind of goes with that sort of 70s film thing the double jeopardy scene is the best first appearance of Superman, period, the end. It is the perfect rescue to introduce Superman. There is just, I'm sorry, there's just, I, I can't think of a, of a Superman appears to the world any anything better than that. Mm. He, like, because I'm wondering, you're wondering when is he going to do, he's been Clark for a couple days now. He's at the planet. He hasn't made an appearance yet, but... Lois Lane dangling from the helicopter on the Daily Planet. That's what does it. Like, he might have been doing secret stuff, you know, for a while. Mm-hmm. And although, why did he have that costume? But, <laughs> but you know, when he takes off, catches Lois. Easy, miss. I've got you. you you've got me. Who's got you? <laughs> but then, catching the helicopter and lifting both of them up, just as the music swells. Thank you, John Williams. And then leaving by saying I'm a friend. Like, mm-hmm. it's just all around the best introduction of Superman ever. I challenge you to tell me a better one. Oh, well, I've always liked the space shuttle explosion. but <laughs> In the comics? Uh, 
I like the Lois and Clark version too. Um, the the space shuttle. Yeah, like I mean, it was pretty much a straightforward adaptation of the comic version right. of that story. Right. He's but, just in costume. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, I'm not going to say that that's not a great scene. It's a great scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about the night. So then I went into Superman two, the Richard Donner cut, real quick. Superman and Superman 2 were filmed mostly simultaneously by Richard Donner. They, uh, there was originally supposed to be sort of like one piece, one story. Donner got fired halfway through the filming by the Salkinds, who owned Superman, and he had, they hired Richard Lester to finish it up. So some stuff is famously filmed by Richard Donner, some stuff is famously filmed by Richard Lester. This, the movie is a little different in terms of the story, and um, in 2006, sort of like a amateur put together the Richard Donner cut through some, um, there's extra footage of screen tests by Reeve and Kidder. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hobbled together. And they even add a little special effects in there, modern, modern gra- graphics. It was really excited when it came out at the time, because it was sort of like, this is like the complete vision of Donner is being restored. And I remember being very excited about it. And like, I think overly wanting it, wanting to say like, it's better than, than Superman too. And I think just over time, thinking about it, seeing it a couple times and certainly seeing it on the big screen, it's, it's not as good as Superman too. It's first of all, the, the hodgepodginess of it makes it sort of in many mm-hmm. ways, hard to watch in terms of a film. But I think the story kind of is a little it's both silly and a little i don't know i think so in the in in it he donner ends it by superman reversing time again Mm -hmm. he just does he does the same exact thing he did in the first one and the original reason for that is because that's how donner wanted to end it he wanted to end superman one with i think the rockets going off into space exploding the phantom zone and ending with on a cliffhanger with Terrence stamp screaming uh free and going towards earth so that's why the two ends with that but it's just it's kind of lame ending it the same way so it doesn't work as well because they ended one the way they did Uh uh-huh you know what i mean so it just didn't work quite as well and overall it's just kind of silly like the whole time lois is like she figures it out in the first scene and it's just a little more goofy so I, you know, I don't want to end on a downer on this subject, but it, I'm glad I've seen it in the theater now. It's certainly something that I don't think will get put in the theater that often, mm-hmm. but it is not, I will say definitively, it is not better than Superman 2, the theatrical cut. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue with you. I think I only watched it once when they put out the special edition DVD box set, and right. that was that was when I first had access to it and I watched it then and I remember feeling the same way about the ending. It reminded me of like Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Like, <laughs> you know, there was like this thing you could do back then where you just repeated a formula right. and audiences just accepted that as like somehow okay to do. Right. And, uh, you know, nowadays it's basically really not, I mean, you can, you can be formulaic but you right. can't you can't actually literally just repeat everything in the same order that you did in the previous thing, you know. So anyway, that's all I have to say about the Richard Donner cut. Before you fall asleep, should we uh, talk about <laughs> Superman and Lois? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Superman and Lois season three, episode six of Sound Mind. 
directed by Diana Valentine, written by George Kitson. From what I can tell, Sam, on the interwebs, George Kitson is not related to former Adventures of Superman artist Barry Kitson. Thank you for clarifying that. I was wondering. (laughs) And I I had a feeling you would hear the name Kitson associated with Superman and that would catch you. He was also a good Batman artist. He did a great Azrael. He was terrific. And, you know, Barry Kitson had to immediately follow Tom Grummet, who I think is underrated, like underratedly iconic when it comes to Superman. Like, I think the closest to Burns style. Mm Mm-hmm. In a very positive way. I, I love Tom Grummet. So he had to follow Grummet, which was really tough. And I remember the first issue Barry Kitson drew. It was when it was the issue where Superman where Lois and Clark were moving in together and they were painting his apartment. Or maybe she was moving him into his new apartment. And she paints him his face. And then he he's wearing sunglasses and he does mm-hmm. a little joke about glasses, you know. Um and I remember thinking, okay, it's, this is going to be okay. It's all right without Tom Grubbett. <laughs> Kitson is amazing. So anyway, George Kitson, I don't think is related. <laughs> Here's the uh, little summary from IMDb and Apple TV. Clark finds himself in uncharted territory. Lois bonds with a new friend. Superman pays Bruno Mannheim a surprise visit. Lana puts Sarah in charge while she's away at a meeting with Chrissy. So just right off the bat, I got to say, George Kitson... This nailed it. This was I, I thought this was just a really solid episode of Superman and Lois. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. It was, um, I think, especially good in the department of developing the villain, which is something we've been talking about this season. I thought that reveal at the very end was like really excellent. Um, wasn't expecting it. Actually, I was was surprised. Yeah, I have to say, I did not see it coming, even though they totally telegraphed it the whole time mm-hmm. with her being sort of a focal point, sort of Lois's anchor the whole time. But like, you know, they've been doing so much in all these other ways, like having Clark go to the group therapy to make the cancer storyline feel grounded, right. like having Lois develop a friendship with somebody else going through the same thing in the hospital. It really didn't feel like this is going to tie into the villain plot. Right. I, I know. I did not um, see and that so coming. I thought that was actually that was really well done. Do you do you think he she is Mannheim's like sister or something or something relative? like that? Could just be yeah, a childhood spouse. friend, could be okay. a love. I don't know. Well, whatever it is, it, it doesn't really matter at this point. You know, like yeah. um, it's someone yeah. that he cares about. Yeah, that was that was a terrific reveal. I did not. I I, st- I figured like something more would happen with Automatopia, but um, yeah, really, really nice reveal there it was it was nice having a clark episode Mm -hmm. you know like this was about this episode was about clark kent slash superman struggling Mm -hmm. you know and it was also it it was in a way that was directly tied to his like main personality traits you know like um lois described him perfectly well right like he's optimistic he is confident and he doesn't know how to deal with a bad situation where bad things are happening that he can't do anything about. It, I mean, it really was about Clark's pain, fear and lack of control, which are things that Superman, especially a Superman of 20 years, a seasoned Superman of 20 years is not used to. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's seen his fair share of death. Obviously his parent, his, his um, adopted parents, but 
just this inability to control and that's obviously why he's so controlling of jordan and they're you know they by the end really hit that over hit you over the head with it but throughout the episode the episode did a good job of sort of keeping me interested in all these things that did resolve at the end you know like i knew clark i knew the episode would end with clark coming back to group when mm-hmm. he said it's not for me on the front end you know right. But they did a really nice job showing him, you know, in, in 44 minutes, as TV shows do, showing the the journey he goes on. So, um, yeah, kudos again to, you know, flowers to Tyler, as always. Um, he said, you know, he specifically says to Lois, for the first time, I can't keep you safe. I feel really powerless. Mm-hmm. And I just I love those Superman slash Clark things where he he is completely open to say i feel powerless is such a big thing for superman to admit because he's mm-hmm. sort of like trying to like hold on the whole episode so i really i really loved the way that was that was played saying you know the way tyler said those words yeah and the fact that it's in the context of their relationship and how when they have a problem they resolve it through open communication and collaboration it's really nice to see yeah so you know in some way it's like a you know this one of these sort of cw formulaic things that we talk about that we don't like um it's almost like the good version of it in that like the reason they solve their problem in one episode is because they have relationship skills right (laughs) so like when there is a tension or problem that one of them is causing and the other one notices it they say hey Right. You are doing this problematic thing, and I would right. like it if you stopped. And then the other one goes, oh, sorry, you are correct. I see that this is happening, and here is why. And then the other one says, I sympathize with this thing. That is the reason. <laughs> it's just like, you know, in, in other in other contexts or on other shows, it might just be like, because the writers have to hit the beats. Right. And here it felt more like the pattern fits because that's how their relationship is. Yeah, I, yeah, it was great. And, you know, sort of the same thing with the kids, you know, like Jordan's being kind of annoying the whole the whole episode, but also Clark is being a little too harsh. You sort of like, and you knew they'd get there by the end, but they, they just, between the actors and the way this one was sort of paced, I think, and there was enough like B and C plots going on. Mm-hmm. They had the, you know, the annoying... Sophie's first sighting this season, by the way. Which was, was, we, have, we have not seen Sarah's sister yet. She is, I don't know if she's been in Juvie the whole time. Where has she been? I thought we saw her at least once or twice. Maybe the first episode of the season. But I we have I feel like I remember her. seeing that she was older. Like that she looked <laughs> older and not like a like a tiny kid. Well, no, that's what happened. That's why she hasn't been on. Because mm-hmm. the, the kid had a growth spurt. So that's like a thing. <laughs> the actual actor had a growth spurt. <laughs> I mean, they did that at the expense of having Nat and John Henry, like who were completely absent. Not in the episode at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was just, a, you know, sad, sad Sophie at the abandoned fair. That is about the bleakest thing mm-hmm. you could put in a, you know, an old rundown town's fair. A little girl waits for her daddy. Like that's <laughs> some grapes of wrath stuff there. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of Kyle had a lot of plot this episode on like many fronts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know. 
it's kind of weird but like yeah between the between the slap and uh the negligence on kyle's part these two are really parents of the year huh (laughs) but like kyle has all of these different he has the relationship with um jonathan and the fire truck thing and the whatever and then he has the sophie plot and then he has the chrissy plot like it was like really almost a Kyle episode more yeah. than a Clark episode. <laughs> it was like the only times we didn't see Lois or Clark, we were with Kyle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, that was uh yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but but even they resolved things nicely at the end. They were sort of like, you know, you could see Kyle like in a like a CW world, you could see Kyle like you them playing out that scene the way Chrissy was expecting with him breaking up, you know, I've got my kids now and I've got Lana to worry mm. about and I can't continue this. You know, you could right. see that whole scene with then the crying and the, oh, right. you know, they, but they didn't. He's like, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm here to officially ask you to go right. steady with me, yeah. <laughs> which was very cute. <laughs> so even that was sort of unexpected after a really contrived plot with Sophie. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring Sophie in so we can figure out a way to make her go away. That's that's what, that's sort of what her her plot line is. Maybe they're going to do some more and they just needed some way of bringing her back into the story, but I don't know. Yeah, when's when's Sophie going to get superpowers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other kind of fun thing that happened just to fill you in a little Superman stuff is Jordan's getting so good at his training that he's beaten the entire video game pretty much. He's like at the last level and Superman's like, oh no, you didn't play on hard yet mm. or difficult yet, right? Like yeah. he, mo- he moved the slider over a little bit. So you have to fight now Atomic Skull and Bizarro. I mean, to be fair, I do have some friends who basically don't count it if you beat a video game on normal. Really? Like, yeah, like you basically just have to play on harder. It doesn't count. <laughs> I always play on easy or whatever because <laughs> I love because I want just the pure joy of especially like like the Spider-Man games. Like mm. I just want to enjoy this and it's like a, experiencing a movie for me. You know, right. like if it gets too stressful, but I, I understand that. So did you did you notice the swiping that Superman did through the villains? Did I you did. catch any of this? Yeah. Okay. So Equus. Yeah, that was a weird one. Yeah, it was a random one from the Jim Lee, Brian Azzarello era mm-hmm. um, during the four Superman storyline. Yeah. And did you, did you catch Mechano Man? I did not. Okay, Mechano Man has barely any entry on DC, Wicca, whatever. He appeared in one panel in All-Star Superman number 10 as some like old guy who has Alzheimer's and is getting revenge on Lex Luthor and he becomes Mechano Man. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so those are the only two other than Atomic Skull and which he already beat like the first episode. Right. And uh and Bizarro. That's a pretty sweet video game. I gotta say, I know I mentioned mm-hmm. that before, but like I kind of want to go over to the fortress and and play some Superman villain game. I mean maybe they're trying to hint that uh you know, Rocksteady and whoever else <laughs> needs to really just get off of their butt and make the Superman game that we've all right. been waiting for for like our entire lives. Right. <laughs> right. Basically, they've literally never been a good one. So they've literally never made a good Superman game. I mean, there's like a few tolerable games. Like there's that 
Taito, T-A-I-T-O, arcade game. Mm-hmm. Sort of a side-scrolling game. And then Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo had Death and Return of Superman, which was sort of a side-scrolling game. But all those games are dumb because, like, if Superman gets hit too many times by bad guys, he dies. It's like a Mario. It's like the Mario. Th- it's just know. like basic platforming. You know, the, the Batman 89 game was not good either. Right. Like, right. Same, you know, same reason. It's just like, oh, I will now jump on another platform. There's right. a bad guy shooting at me. And right. then the, with, with Batman, it's the opposite. Like, how come he can get shot like 500 times? <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever. Exactly. exactly. Um, but then they went and made the Arkham games, which are amazing. So I just right. don't understand why they can't. Like, every excuse I've ever read is terrible. And I can, like, demolish all of them with reason. But maybe uh, in a matter of coding or programming or something it's like actually much harder i don't know but like they have games like in the new horizon game um you can fly around on a pterodactyl right and the world is gigantic and you can fly around and they've got it it's there the technology is there just like the one i can understand it might be hard to do super speed um because you have to slow everything else down maybe that would be tricky well that would be a cut so you do that a cut scene like in got like in in batman arkham when he when he gets when you know when you do a melee and he like then kills the last guy and it's like slow-mo it's like you get to see him like breaking the guy's back so that would be your super speed but like i'm not talking about fighting i'm talking about flying like if you oh, want to fly oh, really fast oh. and like get from one side of the map to the other like much faster than just like normal traversal how would they make it so that you as the player don't just crash through buildings and like destroy everything uh, one yeah. thing they can do is make it so that you can't go into the buildings like put an auto thing so that you start flying up like that happens in the spider-man games basically that like he lands on the building when you crash into it right um, Sam, they could do they could do what they do in Spider-Man, where you go to the map and you click on where you want to go, and then it's a cut. You can go, you can go like in Spider-Man, you can go into the subway and go to a different part of New York. Right. And there's a cut scene of him on the subway, so you just do that with Superman's supervision map that he has of the world. You fly up into the air, mm-hmm. you look at the world, you, you press R two, it goes to your map, and you click shanghai and you get an awesome cut scene of superman flying at super speed okay yeah you have a bunch of missions all over mm-hmm. the place there's constant cat stuck in a tree gets the, this you just if you do it exactly like spider-man game but with superman it's you can do it i mean yeah i don't i don't know why they're not doing it it's it's it's, it's really offensive that in every modern game superman's a villain mm-hmm yeah, so. and now they're, they're going to do it again with this Suicide Squad game. I mean, right. I know they're doing Brainiac, like, brainwashing people and whatever. It's not really, like, it's not, like, Injustice villain Superman. But, like... Still, it's, it's like... Just, it's like making... It's like why when they made Man... Instead of making Man of Steel 2, they made Batman v Superman. Like, right. just, right. you know, give me the damn Superman game. <laughs> just do it the easy way, not the hard way first. Right. Like, do the easy one first. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, I it's but I did by the way I did buy Gotham Knights. It was finally on sale. Oh yeah. At the at the PlayStation Store. So I got that. There was one Superman game and I know we're way off topic with Superman and, yeah. and Lois, but I think we covered most of it. Did you ever play Superman Returns? I know you hate that movie, but did you ever play Superman Returns for original Xbox? No. It's kind of like it's a open world. It's kind of like 
Arkham games. Like it's an open world Superman flying around. There's like sort of a boss at the end of every level, but it's not like a, you have to do a bunch of tasks to get to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like all of Superman's awesome villains are in it. I remember I made it pretty far. I made it to like Brainiac and then like the game froze Mm. or something or like I couldn't get past. There was a glitch and I couldn't get past that part and I never got past it. But that was a good sort of open world game. They never really did another one like it, though. Well, maybe I'll go on YouTube and try to see if I can watch like a long gameplay video of it. Yeah, yeah, you totally should. There, there really wasn't much else. I mean, I really, really liked the episode, but we sort mm-hmm. of covered everything very, uh, very quickly while we were talking about it. Was there anything else from? Oh, I, I have a, I have a Superman question. How was? So first of all, Adamatopia mimicking other people's voices, cool mm-hmm. addition to her, to her sonic based powers. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, that was very cool. And that sort of ties in with Superman's dream from a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. The Superman, the Superman. Yeah. Like it was sort of that same effect, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe like when he was dreaming, maybe she was actually already like screwing with him and doing that kind of thing. Uh, that's interesting. Interesting thought. Anyway. Yeah. You know, it's like, why does the Superman dream? Like, so he doesn't need to sleep, but it's like, maybe he was, you know, I want to say uh, like a Superman power thing. I know there's a sliding scale of how kryptonite affects Superman. Like he says it will kill him, but it still hasn't all these years. And it's like, does it make him weak? Does it take away his powers? Does it, is it all, is he just about to die when he gets through it? How was he able to resist the onslaught of kryptonite? that he was being hit with from those blasters. He was just sort of girding his loins basically. Mm-hmm. And st- you know what I mean? And like standing really confidently and sort of just resisting the, the kryptonite. I just didn't understand how he was able to do that without dying. Well, I don't know what the technology of those guns was. Like maybe um, it just weakens him or slows him down. Well, Are I they mean, trying to kill him. Kryptonite's a rock, right? So how do you turn it into a laser beam? Like what has to happen inside the gun, right? To make, I mean, if it if you're not firing a kryptonite bullet, which is essentially taking a piece of the kryptonite and right. making it into a projectile, right? Then you're doing something that might involve diluting it in some way. That was like kind of what I thought. Like to make it into oh, a laser beam, right? You're transforming it by adding and and changing what's there. So well, maybe like, it's it's not like what? just it's not just like shooting him with the bullet, which is going to pierce his skin and then stay inside there. I also like it because, yeah, it's a little more abstract then. But like, so like the physics of like a blaster, you Mm -hmm. know, a laser beam, a phaser, if you will. What does it have to, like, what is it becoming? Like, are they grinding up kryptonite to dust and then making, putting it into liquid and then it's into a battery? Like, what you know, like, what do you think that that is? I don't know. I mean, it's not like a Star Trek type sci-fi where they're going to talk about the mechanics of the gun it's know? a phase inducer yeah. <laughs> warp core breach right um you know tetrion beam matter antimatter <laughs> matter matter to a third converter yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're, they're just not gonna do that so right all right so don't even bother worrying about it don't worry mm-hmm. about it henry yeah <laughs> basically it was it was a cool wrinkle i like that jordan is kryptonite resistance i had a feeling that was going to happen like he was Mm going to come in and save the day and like not be as hurt because he's got 
he's got that human dna in him too mm-hmm. right humans aren't affected by kryptonite although maybe they are over long term like in the comics mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah that was cool yeah and you know the outfit is like not bad although i think it's weird that he looks like the rocketeer but yeah like... <laughs> yeah well i told you they stole that that or they borrowed that from the animated movie mm-hmm. uh man of tomorrow so uh, yeah, it was cute. I loved him saving the day. It was great. Yeah, I knew it was leading to that. Again, everything in this episode, it was sort of like a Star Trek episode. Like everyone, everything was sort of as expected, but I enjoyed it the whole way. And I was even surprised a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and that's like the highest compliment I can give a Superman show is saying it's like a Star Trek show because I love Star Trek yeah. as, almost as much as I love Superman. So was there anything from Superman and Lois episode six that uh, you wanted to touch on? I don't think so. I think we covered everything. All right. Great. Well, shall we do it again next time? Yeah. That's all right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Henry. Thanks for listening. Our theme was composed and performed by Sam Bernstein. You can tweet us at Superman Pals Pod. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another thrilling adventure of Superman and Lois and Pals. Thank you.